Welcome to The Dirt Show brought to you by Napa Auto Parts. And today we're going to be joined by Sprint Car Hall of Fame driver Jeff Swindell. We'll also hear from Tim Gangle from Hot Rod Hardware and our old friend Speed the Sauce Man from Cookies Barbecue Sauces and Seasonings right after a few words from our sponsor. Get more muscle for your money with Dixie Chopper Lawn Mowers. We've been handcrafting the toughest and fastest zero-turn mowers for over 40 years. Dixie Chopper offers a full line of residential, commercial, and industrial mowers to meet every customer's needs. Visit your local Dixie Chopper dealer today or visit online at DixieChopper.com. Why drive out of town to get what you need for your truck? Hey, this is Rich at Auto Trim Design of Owatonna. We're an authorized WeatherTech dealer. From laser-measured floor mats to mud flaps to vent visors, we can keep your truck or car clean and dirt-free inside and out. We have over 30 years of experience in the truck accessory business. I invite you to stop by and see what we can do for you. We're located in Owatonna at 3275 Old Highway 14, one mile west of Walmart. For 50 years, reuse and recycle is not a new concept to us. Michigan Auto Parts has been recycling your old vehicles since the Beatles were still together. Just call us and we'll send one of our friendly drivers right to you and haul away your old retired vehicle. Scrap prices are up, so it's a good time to clean up those unwanted vehicles and get money in your pocket. Give us a call at 507-684-2100 or online at Mizgin.com. Mizgin Auto Parts, in God we trust. Partnering with hog and cattle producers throughout the United States, Altenburg Construction has almost 30 years of experience in the slat replacement business. Altenburg Construction also uses a custom wash bay to ensure biosecurity to protect your herd. Whether you need an entire site or a single slat, stop into one of their two locations in Louisville, Minnesota or Zering, Iowa. Call 888-435-2210 or see altenburgconstruction.com. Bulldog Coatings specialize in concrete coatings as well as concrete restoration repair. Hi, I'm Todd with Bulldog Coatings. Our coating systems provide a durable finished floor that is both easy to maintain and adds value to your home. The unique patented Bulldog Coatings are not limited just garage floors, they can be used for interior flooring as well as pool deck, patio, and sidewalk applications. Our systems can be installed in as little as one day and year-round. We are a locally owned family business ready to serve Southern Minnesota. Visit us on Facebook or call us for a free estimate. 837-9773. Let Bulldog protect your floors. When one of your appliances breaks down, you need help and you need it fast. Contact Sorensen's Appliance Service. Racer owner Ben Bainey and racer Travis Underdahl service the entire cow's listening area. Sorensen's Appliance Service. People you know that will get your appliances serviced with trained technicians. Contact them today at 256-7766. That's 256-7766. Hi, this is Dave Evans from Hardin Lubricants and Chemicals, your VT race guest distributor. You are listening to the driver's segment on the Dirt Show. Welcome back to the driver's segment here on the Dirt Show, and it is my pleasure to be joined by Hall of Fame sprint car driver Jeff Swindell. And Jeff, you grew up with your father, Sam Swindell, who is a racer and a car builder. And those skills were passed down, even though you may not have known it at the time, with you every day that you were working together. Well, there's no doubt. I mean, uh, he got uh, Sammy and myself both going and racing. And I was born in January, and I was at the very first race that year in April, I think it was. So I've been at the track my whole life. There was an unwritten rule in the Swindell house. No racing until age 15. The Christmas before your 15th birthday, 
you received a gift that would leave any kid of that age completely speechless. You got a used sprint car that was actually built by your father. Actually, um, my dad built a car for a good friend of ours, B.A. Norwood. It was actually a modified B car. So it was kind of like a sprint car, but kind of a home-built, no wing, had a coupe body on it. But, yeah, Christmas, B.A. pulled up in the driveway with it on the trailer. It's a Merry Christmas. He's been a lifelong family friend. And, as a matter of fact, I still see him, and, and he does some things for me here and there. But, yeah, that was pretty cool. We took the car, stripped it down. And back then, my dad built really long wheelbase cars. And we had since built my brother's regular sprint chassis type car. So we took it and shortened it and made all the pickup points and everything basically the same as the regular sprint chassis. And so that was my first car. So that was pretty cool. I actually got appendicitis six weeks before the opening night. So I was supposed to wait six weeks. So the first two weeks, my dad drove the car just to shake it down and then I finally got to get in it after my six-week layup with the appendicitis repair. <laughs> At that period of time, racing chassis and equipment were advancing so fast that by the time your brother started to the time you started, a lot had changed. Yeah, it kind of really started taking off right about then, really. Like I said, all of our chassis and stuff were just a single square tube chassis. And then we built that sprint chassis for Sammy for his modified. And that kind of changed the game at Riverside where we grew up racing. Everybody started changing over to that point. Actually, we built that car by hand in a guy's garage that my dad drove for. He built chassis, just a little bitty 20 by 20 shop. And all the tubing was fish mouthed by hand on a grinding wheel. And uh, it was chalk outlined in the floor of the concrete. So it was a pretty primitive build, but that was a great race car. And that car actually ended up winning more races than any other car ever did at Riverside to this day. So that was pretty cool advancement. And I got to drive that car oh, after Sammy hit the road full time. And I ended up driving that car for the last year of his life. That was kind of where it all took off. The first time out at age 15 in 1977, you flipped. For many, that might have been the beginning and the end of a racing career right there, but you soldiered on. It was pretty interesting. I guess my dad and them had basically all they could think about telling me, but the first race, we used to have a fast heat and a slow heat, which the fastest half of the cars would be in one, the first half of the qualified cars would be in the second one. Well, I qualified second row fast heat. And Terry Gray, three player heard his name, and another guy, I don't remember who was on the front row with him, started up in front of him, and nobody told me that when they run off in there side by side, they checked up. So I ran right over them and turned the thing over, <laughs> bounced it off the wall, and drug it back in, and I started thrashing on it, trying to fix it. My dad said, nope, not going to happen. So I was ready to get back on the racetrack that night, but my dad said, nope. He was actually running the show at that point. He was race director, so uh, he didn't want us missing something, I guess, and taking a chance of uh, crashing her again. So we fixed her the next week and went back at it. A racer's worst nightmare. You busted your ass working on and building a good quality sprint car, and then someone steals it. I had a car stolen from me early on there. We first started traveling with the outlaws. I had a guy sponsor me out of Houston, and... He basically donated a trailer, and everything else was still ours from the previous year from the Casey Farms car. And 
I don't know. He got a little weird on us and sent some guys to follow us around Pennsylvania. And we had trouble with a truck one night and had to tow the trailer back to the motel. Woke up the next morning and everything was gone. Come to find out, I mean, they never prosecuted them, but we did find out later that those were the guys that come got it. And they stopped on their way back to Houston and put all the stuff in a U-Haul and left the trailer sitting in a field. That way, when the cops found the trailer, the guy and told him to come pick his trailer up. So he got everything. But we could never prove it back in the day. So, you know, it is what it is. You move on. In 1984, you won your very first World Outlaw Sprint Car Show. Walk us through that night. Well, I was driving the B&L electric car which the owners have since turned out to be probably my best friends in life. I speak with them every week and vacation with them and turkey hunt with his wife. But at Paragon, we started back, I don't know, sixth, seventh row, something like that. And that year, I took on the Firestone tire deal. That's back when you could run whatever you wanted to run. And we had finally got a tire that was really good. And we worked real close with Firestone. And, I mean, they came to a lot of the races, and we worked on compounds. And finally hit on a good compound tire. And when it took off, it really worked well. You know, we had shaver motors back then and Dan chassis, and, and, you know, we had good stuff. So we started back there and just slowly worked our way past Sammy, Wolfgang, all them guys. Steve was leading the race, and he was running around the bottom to the middle. And when I got to him, I went around the outside of him in turn one, and he spun when I went around him. He didn't think anybody was going to be coming through there, and he jerked the car and spun the thing out. You hardly ever saw Steve spin a car out, but we went through that and just checked out on him. That thing was, was really fast, and that was our first of many wins. That's a great story. I bet Steve was surprised. In 1984 at the Knoxville Nationals, you had a rocket, but a flat tire put you to the back of the A main, and you were still able to drive through the field back up to fifth. Well, actually, I think we got to fourth, if I'm not mistaken. But what happened was, and it was the same deal there, the tire deal, when it really worked, it outworked the other guy's stuff, and we had the car was on a rail. I think we started third, fourth row, drove up, took the lead from past Wolfie, Sam, Steve, Sammy, took the lead, and they had a yellow, and the left rear started going flat. So they pulled us in the pits. We got in there, changed the tire, started back on the back. This was about the fourth, fifth, sixth lap, something like that. Started back on the back and really couldn't make any headway. Well, the crew guys that was actually working for Sammy back then, they actually figured out the problem with the tire, and I guess my guys didn't get the beadlock tight, so it was leaking air. So they tightened it back up and got it aired back up. We had a caution about another four laps in, and they motioned for me to come back in the pit because they knew we wasn't going anywhere either with a different tire on. So we came back in again and pitted, changed the tire, put the original left rear back on the car, started back on the back again, and then worked our way back up to the front. And I mean, we just run out of time. I mean, we was definitely fastest car on the track, but that don't pay the bills. Another race on your victory list that stands out to me is the Dirt Cup at Skagit Speedway because I know how many guys want to see that on their win list as well. That was pretty cool in there with the Payless Hardware and Rockery car. We went up there, and actually another little side story to that was a few years before that, I was walking through the mall at Daytona down there during the middle of the week. I used to go down and hang out with some of the NASCAR guys and some different teams and stuff. And during the day, I was walking through the mall across the street from the track. I mean, there wasn't nobody in it. You might see one or two people walking down through the middle of the thing. And I hear somebody holler out at, hey, Jeff. Okay, I turn around. He walked up and introduced him. 
and it was Casey Kane's dad. And he got to talking and told me he was from up there around Skagit, and that if I ever come up, give him a holler, he'd like to help us out, sponsor us. We decided to come up for Dirt Cup. I'd never been up there. And he gave me his card, and so it was a couple of years later, so I called him up, and he said, well, I'm running a car right now. He said, but I told you I'd sponsor you, so he sponsored us. We got a big cane logging, or something. I can't even remember what it was. Put it on the car, and... We were running second, I think it was, to Kading, and they had a restart, and we passed him, took the lead, drove away from him, won the race without any brakes, actually. We had a brake line broke on the thing about halfway through, and we were right on the cushion, just hammering it, and won the race, and hung out in the parking lot till 4 or 5 in the morning with a bunch of people up there baking clams and just having a great time. It was a pretty exciting deal. You also won... The Hoosier 100 in dramatic fashion. That's a great story about how you came about that ride. Yeah, actually, Cecil Taylor, that changed the right front for AJ. I had Cecil introduce me to AJ in the garage area there that year. We were all up there for Indy and hanging out there and going to the Speedway during the week when we weren't racing. And I told him, I said, you know, we'll be running the outlaw car over at the mile. And, you know, wanted AJ Mike sponsor the car. He said, well, let's go ask him. So he walked up, introduced him. Said, this Jeff's one day. He says, yeah, I know who it is, which about floored me in itself. And he said, he got something he wants to ask you. So I told him, I said, you know, I know your history with the mile racetrack over here and running my own car and wondered if you might be interested in sponsoring us over there for the race. And he said, how much you need? I told him, well, you know, this would be good. He turned around and told his secretary, write Jeff a check. So we put A.J. Foyt on the side of the car and went out, set quick time, and they inverted us on the mile back then, which was highly irregular. We had to start sixth and ended up running fourth, but we'd had a cylinder go down on us, so we slowed down run fourth. So A.J. had me hanging out in the garage area the rest of the time, so we were over there hanging out with them, and Timmy Delrose, which was one of the owners of the 12th Silver Crown car I drove, A.J. drove for him back in the day, and Bentonhausen had been driving for him. And Bentonhausen had just qualified for the 500. So the guys he was driving for at Indy told him he couldn't run the dirt car. So Timmy's good friends with Foyt, so he called him, and he said, Yeah, I'm looking for a driver. They took Gary out. You know, he can't run. And A.J. told him, he said, Well, I got your driver standing right here. He said, Oh, yeah, yeah. No, he's a wing guy. He can't run these things. He drives wings, you know. Hell, I drove non-wing for years, you know. Never run a Silver Crown car, but once, I think, before that. And finally, I guess Timmy decided he couldn't find anybody else, so he came over, met with me, and they hired me. Went over and worked on the car, and we got it set up, and went out and had some issues qualifying. Got that fixed. We were, like, almost last. Run the last chance race. So we started back at the back of the thing, and... That year, they had dropped that thing back to a 60-lapper, and we started on the back, front of the non-qualifier cars, but almost at the back, and worked our way all the way up through there, took the lead, drove away from them. Going down the back straightaway on the white flag lap, second, third, and fourth place were just right up in front of us. We'd almost lapped the field in 60 laps with no yellows. We passed most of them guys twice. We really had a nice, fast race car, and my driving style just worked real well with those cars. We won several races after that, so that was pretty cool to get our picture taken up there on the podium with AJ, and, and we got to be good friends there for a long, a long while, so that was a pretty cool event. I think the races that impress me the most are your four USAC Silver Crown victories, three on the Indy Mile and one at DeCoin on the Mile. Those races are a grueling slugfest of beautiful machines with incredible horsepower. 
Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, it was just my driving just fit perfect with that deal. And we should have won a bunch more of them races, actually. We fell out leading several of them. If we finished, I mean, we were pretty much on the podium, but we fell out leading several of them. Stupid little things breaking, but I've always enjoyed doing those. And ran them again here a while back for Mark Swanson out of Des Moines. And gosh, we had Ducoin won again and had a restart with four or five to go and the motor didn't take off and got passed down the back straightaway before it all cleared out and ended up running second in that one. So we came real close there. And Indy, the first night I drove the thing, we started back a little ways, 15th or something, and then worked our way up to fifth or sixth in like five, six laps. And the brakes locked up on it. So that took us out of that one. We had a lot of breakages with that car, but uh, we were always fast with it. You know, they've just always been a lot of fun. And, you know, it's kind of like driving a bus on ice and big old long things, heavy 75-gallon fuel tank on the back. It's definitely been one of the highlights of my career, running those cars. And not only in Silver Crown are you up against park breakage, but the Silver Crown race is really like a chess match, staying in contention all the while while saving your equipment for those last 20 laps. Yeah, it's uh, you got to kind of know when you need to press it and when you don't. You don't take stupid chances and just run it hard as you can for 100 laps. Basically, if I had to pass somebody, I wanted to get by them quick and get to the lead because you can set your own pace then and you don't have to press the car or throw it around or anything trying to get around guys till you get back to lap traffic. So that was kind of my way of doing it was get as many as you can early on the starts. Most of those guys don't push too hard right off the bat. So I kind of did it a little different. I wanted to lead the race because I found that I could settle in and drive the car a lot easier and straighter and easier on tires if I wouldn't have to try to chase somebody. That was really the key to that race. I liked the long race. They were a lot of fun. Syracuse at the New York State Fairgrounds. Memories of running that incredibly fast track. I started driving for Jensen Construction the first year I went up there. 81, 80, 80, 81, 82, somewhere in there. And the day before we start, the modified, the big block modifieds are practicing. So we pull up outside in the parking lot at the end of the back straightaway in turn three where we can see all the way down the straightaway. We climbed up on top of the rig, which was actually a rental truck because our dually broke down in Pittsburgh on the way over there. So we had to rent a dirty truck. So we crawl up on top of the truck, look down the back straightaway, and I'm standing there with my crew guy. I said, man, that's a long straightaway. And he just had a weird look on his face, and he says, you run a mile before, hadn't you? I said, I ain't never even seen a mile. And he said, oh, my God. So went on and ended up running second. At that time was, I think, about ten grand, which was the highest payday I'd ever had. Something about the miles, I just liked them. Even with the Silver Crown, the Sprint Cars, and Syracuse, we were always right there in the hunt. I think the last time we were there with the Outlaws, we were quick time. And then we burned a piston after we got going in the race. So that kind of cost us on that one. And then we took the Nance car up there. It was pretty cool. We built a special car for that, and they made us take a lot of stuff off of it when we went through tech, but uh, we still made it through, and then we were right in the hunt with that thing. And then one of the restarts, a lap car checked up on me, and I got him in the back and bent the nose wing in onto the hood, and then that kind of killed the setup after that. So I think we ended up running forward from that one. I think, if I'm not mistaken, that's probably the one that Steve and Hod had such a battle for the win. But, but I always loved that place. It was wide open all the way around it with the sprint car. That was a lot of fun. You also added the 2002 360 Nationals to your list of accomplishments. Just getting to the A-Main at an event like that is an accomplishment. And then to pull off the win, 
How cool was that? That was pretty neat. Everything just kind of went our way. I think we ended up having to run Sunday afternoons when we started up front, and pretty much all I had to do was just sit there and keep everybody behind me, you know. So it was actually a pretty easy race to run. That one was probably about the easiest race I've ever had to run in Knoxville. So we were just real lucky, and that was the Goodson Farms car out of Florida. And we won a bunch of races at Knoxville and preliminary nights and with the 410 and everything even. And, you know, back then, I mean, you know, we were supposed to make the A. You know, we were supposed to be in the hunt for the A every race. So that was pretty cool to pull that one off. It's definitely hard to get in there. It's a lot harder now because there's so much store-bought stuff. The guys don't have to massage their stuff as much and know as much about racing, really. <laughs> so it, it kind of pushes everybody a little closer together now. But uh, Knoxville's always been probably one of my favorite places to race. And so we, we probably could have easily won three nationals, you know, had it not been for stupid luck, like the tire or issue we had with the Nance car there. And we qualified the first night and we figured that we were probably going to end up being about the fourth row. But we were really fast, but we had a couple of issues that held us up on points. And so we dropped that car from the lineup and brought out another car. Back then, you could do that, and we ran the next night because we wanted to be on the front row, and we knew we were fast enough to do it. And uh, started 10th in the heat race, took the lead in three and four on the first lap, and power rod bolt broke, went straight to the wall, and destroyed race car. That kind of took that one out of the game. And then the 94 race, I think, we come out of the B in the Gold Eagle car and came to second and was way faster than Steve the last half the race. But then... Uh, about caught him. Had we had another couple laps, we won that race pretty easy. And but we still run second and fifty grand. And couldn't have been too pissed off about that. I know we went to Montana on Tuesday night after that for the next race on the way out to the West Coast and parked next to Steve. We cranked the cars up to get heat in them before the races. And I'd crank mine. Steve cranked right behind me. I pulled in, crawled out of the car. And as soon as Steve pulled up to the trailer letting the car run, the motor blew up sitting there idling. And that was the same one he had in at the Nationals. So, you know, if that thing just blowed up about 30 seconds quicker, we'd have won it even with that. But it wasn't supposed to happen. Steve looked at me, and I just shook my head, and he just started laughing like hell because we both knew exactly what we were both thinking, you know. Uh, but that was, that was pretty cool. And a lot of great memories at Knoxville. I really enjoyed watching you on MAV TV with the ASCS tour. What a great group of drivers with Harley White, Sam Haferty Jr., Seth Bergman, Johnny Herrera, and others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jason Johnson was running back then when I ran the deal. So he was pretty fast. Johnny was pretty fast. Brad Loyette. I mean, we had we had a bunch of really really fast guys on the trail with us those few years that I ran with them. Come up short, run second, and it came down to the very last night. And Jason got going real good there the final night and ended up beating us a couple of spots. And much whoever outran who was going to win the championship. So uh, uh, Jason snagged me on that one. So, you know, when you go back throughout the year, you look at all the darn little things to where, you know, if you just passed two more cars throughout the year, you'd have won the championship. So that's why when you're trying for a championship, you got to get everything you can get. And one little mistake can cost you that, that, uh, that crown. 51 World of Outlaw victories puts you 15th all-time on the win list for that series. Is there one that stands out from the others, a win with the World of Outlaws? Gosh, I don't know. I think every win with the World of Outlaws is huge. I did always enjoy going to Chico and running the Gold Cup. I flew out there 
Wednesday night or Thursday night, whatever it was. And when I woke up the next morning, I had food poisoning. So I hadn't had anything to eat since like 7 o'clock the night before. Laid in bed all day long. Scott Bennett and the guys had the cars and everything all ready. They went onto the track. Bob Kramer and Tom Wimmer were there. We were all together. And so we stayed at the motel as long as we could. And then we run out to the track and they parked me in a lawn chair at the back of the trailer. Time for hot laps. I crawled in the car, hot laps, and I get out and sit back in the chair. Same thing, the heat race, come back in, sit in the chair. And then for the feature, same thing. We got through qualifying night, and I was still sick as a dog and went back to bed. Spent all Saturday in bed with the lights out. Still hadn't eaten anything but a couple of crackers. Went to the track about 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, because we were already locked in the A. Same thing, snowed me in the chair and, and uh, hot laps. Come back, sit in the chair, time to go out for the feature, get in the car and go out. And it was 40 laps back then. Me and Andy Hillenberg were, were running pretty hard together. Andy was leading it. And I was just chasing him the whole way and went into one, and the brake rotor cut the brake line. So I had no brakes at Chico, a little quarter-mile bullring, heavy, rough. So I was still ill at the point. And I said, well, the heck with this. I'm going to tear this sucker up, or I'm going to drive by him at least take the lead before I lose it. And I chased him down in traffic, drove around him, and looked up at the scoreboard. It said 19 laps down, so that we were halfway. And I just gave it everything I could give it, and we won the darn race. The only time I ever did the wing dance, and because back in the day, I used to jump off the wing afterwards on the passenger side there, the grandstand side, jump off the wing with the flag. And when I did, I busted my ass because I was so weak. Fell flat on my butt. Everybody got a good laugh out of that one, but uh, that was a per- that was a pretty exciting race, I guess. In 2020, you were inducted into the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum. That really validated an incredible lifetime of accomplishments up to that point. It told me how old I was. That's when you get put in the Hall of Fame is when you're old. So, uh, you know, but uh, that's pretty much been my life is race cars. Done it full time most of those years. Finally, when I was on the ASCS tours, when I came up with my bleeder design and got it patented and then broke it out, and then we've kind of slowed down since then, and we've just been so busy. I haven't even had a chance to get the car out of the trailer. It's been in the trailer since November, since we pickled everything for the winter, and we've just been so darn busy. We haven't even been able to get the car out, which very, very blessed on that aspect. So racing has definitely given back to me what I put into it, and blessed to be still working with all the guys and just very humbled by the fact that most all of the wins in the country with a sprint car midget mini sprints and all that uh, most of the guys are going to have our bleeders in their cars so that's probably one of the coolest things that that's come out through racing for me period really jeff let's talk about the swindell bleeders how did that idea come about and what does a swindell bleeder do uh basically the bleeder when the tire starts getting hot, you start using it, it'll start building pressure because heat causes pressure. So then the pressure in the tire goes up. Well, if the pressure goes up in the tire, then you lose grip. So we've had mechanical bleeders for years. They've just always been a real pain, and there's just no way to make them work right. It's almost impossible. I mean, yellow flags and stuff like that, one might seep a little more than the other, or they might stick, or they might not work. You know, so, I mean, you're just... You're throwing the dice at it every night with those things. And when we were running the ASCS deal, it was just me and my son and a friend of mine that that owns a tire shop. And I was pretty much having to do all the setup and and all that. And 
the time consumption of it was just crazy. And then you come in two, three pounds high or two, three pounds low, and it was just, it was always a problem. So I just realized that there's got to be a better way to do this. So that winter I went in and I started ordering pieces and parts and put stuff together and testing it. Built the first one all the way through and stuck it in the tire and it worked. And I just sat down and I basically did it for myself. And once I stuck it in there and it worked, I realized I said, everybody and their brother is going to want this. So I kept it hidden for the first six months the next year while I was getting the patents filed. Nobody even knew it existed. I'd park out in the parking lot away from everybody at the racetrack and walk out there with it in my uniform and then slip it in the right rear and put the hubcap on so nobody ever even knew I had it until I finally got it patent filed and, and then we started producing them and produced them with really nothing didn't really have a lot of cash to throw at it and it kind of grew and grew and and i drove up to williams grove met up with the outlaws and showed them what i had and everybody there wanted it so we got busy started building them and just worked out real good so i got to be able to build them and, and put some money back into everything we got back in it and we started throwing it more at it and started building more and more Next thing you know, we've, we're at our third generation leader now. And basically what these electronic ones do is when the pressure goes up, it lets it out immediately and it keeps the tire pressure within a tenth of a pound, which is really unheard of. And the second generation, we finally realized we needed a time delay on them because when you go in the corner and lean on the tire, it's going to have so much pressure on it that it's going to tell it it's overpressured. But we put a time delay on it. That way it'll get past those points and then check the pressure down the straightaway. When the tire gets stretched out, it's more like a drag tire. It's got the most volume at that point, but the least amount of pressure. So it has to be overpressure at that point. And if it's overpressure at that point, then it'll start bleeding back until it gets it back to the exact number you're set at. So they're really accurate. They've worked out great. Like I said, we're on our third generation now. I'm already working on the fourth gen stuff. It's very humbling to watch a race and look at the winter circle and you see the nice little red glow in the axle and you know we're in victory lane every night pretty much everywhere jeff you were also responsible for the very first wing slider that allowed the driver to adjust his wing position inside the car you found a solution and developed a brand new airbox, and you were instrumental in helping develop safer race seats for the drivers If they'd like to find out more on all the products that you carry and sell, what's the best way to do that, Jeff? Well, all the safety stuff that we did is nothing that I build now or ever even marketed. I did that basically for safety for everybody out there and took it to the chassis manufacturers. And it was just, it it was like pulling teeth getting chassis manufacturers to move forward with these projects because crew chiefs and people are like that or real timid about making any kind of bar changes or anything in the cars. So I uh, pretty much had to have the chassis builders build my chassis with it in it and go up there and babysit with them and show them how I wanted it done. And then once they did it, they realized, well, heck, this is a lot nicer. So we pretty much got, you know, a lot of the teams that do that and use our uh, shoulder belt mounts. And the lap belt mount is very crucial now. Simpson actually builds a set of belts that fit our design. I worked with Trevor Ashline. He designed and patented the hybrid, the hybrid pro, all that. He worked for GM, I think it was, on all their seat belt safety. And so he's got a lot of sled test 
knowledge. So I worked with him pretty hard and heavy there for a year getting all that right. The wing slider itself, now i got to give that credit goes back to Carl Kinzer. He showed up at Dallas with that, the first one. Now, we did make an interior wing slider where everything was inside the wing, but he did come up with that one. The airbox we designed did that on Gil Suter's car when I was driving every week, non-wing car out in Manzanita. I was driving for him, and all anybody ever had was those shakers, what they called a shaker screen, which was angle iron stacked on top of each other with holes in it in front of the radiator to try to keep the mud out, but on real muddy tracks, it would clog them up, and then the car would run hot, mess the engine up, a lot of races, all that. So Sammy had been trying to get one done. He was going about it a little different direction trying to divert the hair right at the front tubes. And it worked, but it was real easy to knock it off, like you get infield tire, you know, infield tires on the ground or pods or whatever. He had that thing break a lot of times, so uh, I got to working on it out there because I had plenty of time during the week. And we even set big fans up and stuff and made the air box for the radiators and showed up at the uh, Outlaw Show at Denver, I think it was, with the car. And Carl come over and looked at it. And wasn't another week he had it on his car. He had maximum them start building them and putting them out there. So that is one thing that's been on that's on every race car out there right now that that I actually started. Same thing with where the gauges are put on a panel and then just zoosed into the cow so they stay with the motor. So you don't have to take the lines off. You don't have to take the temperature gauge line out or the oil pressure line out or the kill switch and all that stuff anymore like we used to back in the day. So it just sped up the whole process of changing the motor out. I came up with that when I built all new cars up for Wiker when I went up and drove for him. We had a fully contained motor, had the radiator mounted on the engine. We could change a motor with that car. We actually did it for the article for open wheel. Eight minutes from the time the car stops to the time it's pushing off. So that was that was pretty cool. Cool race car. They did a nice big six-page spread, I think it was, an open wheel on that car. Jeff, I know we barely scratched the surface on your racing career and all the cool things that you've developed over the years, and I appreciate you taking time to be with us here on The Dirt Show, and thank you for being with us today. Yeah, not a problem. And uh, our latest project, we've been working on uh, adjustable fuel valves, uh, main and high speeds, to where you don't have to take anything off the car anymore. You just reach in with your air density and go out to the car with a nut driver and just couple of clicks you've got the fuel change so you don't ever take any lines off the car or anything so that's hitting the shelves here within weeks we've got several of them out there been running already and so that's that's really taken off so that's our next project that's been coming out i've been working with engler on that for a year and a half on that getting that done so then he's making all the parts for me so that's our new venture and gosh we got 40 50 other projects on the board if we can ever get to them jeff thanks for the update and thanks for being with us here on the dirt show today no problem. Thanks for having me. Why choose powder coating over liquid paint finishes? Maximum durability. Extreme Powder Coating offers a scientific process that uses electricity and heat to bake the colorful finish deep into your product. Extreme can deliver media blasting, impact-resistant epoxy primers, and durable powder coat applications to meet your needs. Custom colors and exhaust coatings are available also. Visit ExtremePowderCoating.net for more information. Race fans, mark your calendars for May 1st through October 1st this summer as the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum presents our track tribute to Williams Grove Speedway inside our museum. 
you'll see 10 of the iconic race cars that made Williams Grove Speedway the East Coast place to race since 1939. Sprint cars driven by Jan Opperman, Doug Wolfgang, Smokey Snowbaker, Van May, and many more. Plus, you'll enjoy the Williams Grove Speedway highlights videos that go along with these race cars and the days they raced. That's the track tribute to Williams Grove Speedway exhibit at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum starting May 1st in Knoxville. And don't forget, the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum is open year-round, seven days a week in Knoxville. Shevland Enterprises, your locally owned and operated sanitation and recycling service, offers the highest quality garbage removal, trash pickup services, and roll-off dumpsters at great rates. Commercial, residential, construction, and industrial trash removal and recycling in Owatonna and the surrounding areas in Dodge and Steel Counties. Contact Shevland Enterprises today, and new customers will get six months for the price of four if you prepay. Call 528-9900. That's 528-9900. We can all think back to the first time we experienced real horsepower. Hi, this is Corey at Byers Engine Service. Whether it's that pin-you-in-the-seat feeling of a big-block Chevy, the roar of a healthy 340, or the joy of a perfectly tuned flathead, here at Byers Engine Service, we service them all. Strip to street, dirt track to asphalt, or just cruising the strip. Stop by and check us out at 2915 20th Street Southeast in Rochester. We're called 507-282-5586. If you have a vehicle accident, go with a professional. Bob and his staff at Midwest Collision are the definition of professionals. For over 42 years, they have dedicated their lives to collision repair along with the training, knowledge, and skills that come with the job. Go with the pros. Midwest Collision in Faribault. 507-332-2434. Fast shafts, drive shafts are used by Jake Tim, Tom Barry Jr., Derek Ramirez, Kyle Strickler, Jonathan Davenport, Derek Green, Dale and Murdy, and more. And they currently build drive shafts for 90% of the major chassis builders. Fast shafts is also a longtime title sponsor of the IMCA Fast Shafts All Star Invitational at the IMCA Super Nationals and support a number of competitive series nationwide. Buy directly from Fast Shafts or from their network of dealers. Shipping day across the country or worldwide. See FastShafts.com. Do you know what many top race car teams use for small radiator leaks? It's Justice Brothers Radiator Stop Leak. Effective insurance that keeps them in the middle of competition. Proven under the toughest racing conditions. And it works the same way in your car. Justice Brothers Radiator Stop Leak stops leaks in radiators and blocks sealing the leak while you drive. And it won't clog the cooling system. It mixes with all antifreeze and coolants. Take the advice of top race teams. Use Justice Brothers Radiator Stop Leak. See our display at Runnings. BP Racing Fuels is proud to be recognized as a world leader in race fuel technology. BP's fuels have a well-deserved reputation for power and consistency, winning championships in every form of motorsports for more than 40 years. Whether sportsman or pro, methanol or gasoline, BP has a fuel to ensure optimum performance for your application. See the full line of BP's high-performance products online at vpracingfuels.com. At VP Racing Fuels, our passion is your performance. Welcome back to the sponsor segment here on The Dirt Show, and it is always a pleasure to be at Hot Rod Hardware in West Concord, Minnesota, and I am joined by Tim Gangle. And Tim, soon it will be time to start parking those hot rods for the winter. Guys who are planning a new build or upgrading their current car, that is where Hot Rod Hardware 
really shines as far as the parts they need and the assistance they need to install it themselves. Upgrades like AC systems, better brakes. Let's showcase a couple of those vendors that you carry here. Okay, one of the products that I'd really like to talk about is the low car performance products. Low car's products are all made in the U.S. and the quality is second to none and they've been in business for 30 years and everything's top of the line. They build everything from transmission shifters and other transmission accessories like column shift linkage, interior products like window crank handles and door handles. They have aftermarket door handles, emergency brake cables, exterior products, throttle and kickdown cables, mounting brackets for different type of throttle systems, gas pedal assemblies, brake pedal assemblies, transmission and engine dipsticks. They're second to none. And I know another thing about coming here and buying the parts. You also get the advice to talk to your counter people and say, yes, we've installed those here. Here's some helpful tips to make sure it goes smoothly for you. What is another vendor that you carry here that you want to showcase? I'd also like to talk about Master Power Brakes. Again, a U.S.-made product. At Hot Rod Hardware, we kind of pride ourselves on U.S.-made products. Some of them are a little more expensive, offshore competitors. We have just found that the companies that make the USA products stand behind their products a lot better. They fit, there's support when there's a problem. And here we sit, Tim, on 9-11 talking about U.S.-made products. People want to buy local, keep their money right here in the United States, support hardworking Americans. And those products, when they come off the line, they fit, they're better built, and they go right on your American hot rod. That's right. Yep. And Master Power Brakes has everything from your basic kit to a high-performance kit with drilled and slotted rotors and four- or six-piston calipers and power brake, manual brake setups for mostly muscle cars, but they also have some street rod kits as well. It's also a great idea if you're out doing that late fall cruise, give them a call here at Hot Rod Hardware and cruise on by, stop in, and you can actually sit down with Tim and discuss your plans for upgrades or a new build and get things lined up for over the winter. Yeah, you can stop in and see me or Jonathan or Joel. Joel's our shop guy, and he is very knowledgeable in fuel injection. He's been to school at Holly and does quite a bit of Holly performance tunes and sniper fuel injection tunes. Tim, what are your earliest memories of working on hot rods? How did you get interested in doing this in the first place? How I got into this is I had had an interest in old cars and hot rods since I was really young. I worked with my dad on side jobs in our garage when I was a kid. Then as I grew up, I ended up buying lots of different cars and modifying them, reselling some. And I really found out that there was no one that had hot rod parts in the area. And so I had friends that were into hot rods and everything. And I just eventually thought I'd try selling hot rod parts and got a couple dealerships and went around with a pickup and a trailer and started selling hot rod parts at shows. And then developed into a phone and walk-in business and built our shop in 
West Concord in 2009, and now most of our sales are over the website and keep improving that all the time and really still love what we do. I'm sure you have seen some hot rods over the years where the suspension, wiring, or brake upgrades have been done by someone who probably didn't have the knowledge to do it themselves. And these problems can be costly and expensive to correct once they're done wrong on your car. So that's one great idea is to get it in here. Either get your parts and advice from here or have you guys just do it. We do a lot of car building over the phone, so to speak. Usually if it's a product that you purchase from us or that we service, we can walk you through just about anything. If it's something that you need repaired, we've had many people put fuel injection on their car and then they just don't know how to tune it and they bring them into us and we have Joel get them tuned and get them on the road. You also own and drive one of my favorite hot rods of all time, and you actually have a picture of it here from your son that you got at the Hot Rod Nationals, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I've I've got a 49 Mercury. I'm kind of nostalgic that way, so I upgraded that. It's still got the flathead and a three-speed overdrive transmission with the column shift, and I leave it that way for nostalgic reasons, but I did put disc brakes on it and put air conditioning in it and put cruise control on it because those are, those are kind of my must-haves. Tim, if they'd like to find out more about Hot Rod Hardware, what's the best way is to get a hold of you? Yeah, the website is, is the best place to start. You can always make a phone call to us. We answer our phone. It's rare that our answering machine picks up the phone. If that's the case, it's because we're all on another line. And you can always stop in here at West Concord. I realize we're in a small town and in kind of an out-of-the-way area, but we have walk-in customers every day. Tim, thank you so much for building Hot Rod Hardware and being here for the guys who need it. And thank you so much for being with us here on The Dirt Show today. You bet. I appreciate the opportunity, Clay. Wolf and Sons Yard Service has heavy equipment. This is Scott Wolf. Whether you need a basement dug, a building removed, footings for a remodel, an RV camper or boat pad, rock, sand, or dirt hauled, call 455-3524. At Arrow Race Wheels, they put their customers first and appreciate the loyalty the racers have for the company. Arrow Race Wheels is willing to work with anyone who has a question or problem. The only way to stay on top is to listen to the people putting us there. If you want to run with the winners, see aeroracingwheels.com or call 888-895-2376 today. Packaging the impossible inside the possible through service, quality, and expertise. Hi, this is Holly, the new general manager at Foamcraft Packaging. We are your foam and wood packaging experts in Minnesota. If you are a business owner or in charge of your packaging, we want to talk to you. We specialize in designing and manufacturing wood crates, pallets, and foam inserts and are here to help keep your products protected in transit. We are here to help you. Visit us at foamcraftpackaging.com. Rhino Egg offers the most complete rear blade line in the industry. Whether your tractor has 30 or 300 horsepower, Rhino offers a blade to accomplish any task. Don't settle for the cheap imitations. Buy Rhino. Building the best since 1934. Check out the full line of landscape and construction equipment today at rhinoag.com. 
Since 1997, Weir's Machine has been innovating the finest products in the racing industry. We also manufacture the Ultra Force Load Machines and develop the Ultra Force Suspension Software, which allows you to take your program to the next level. Be sure to check out the all-new Circle Track app, your ultimate go-to spot for race team information. Keep track of your maintenance schedule, parts list, car setups, and more. Proudly made in the USA, champions across the country choose Weir's Machine, Ultra Force, and the Circle Track app to take them to victory lane. Shop now at Weir'sMachine.com, UltraForceTech.com, and the all-new CircleTrackApp.com. Follow us on all of our social media platforms at Weir's Machine. Welcome back to our special segment here on The Dirt Show, and I am joined by Speed the Sauce Man from Cookies Barbecue Sauces and Seasoning. And Speed, we just lost a legend in Jimmy Buffett, and I tell you what, you've got a great recipe for shrimp on the barbie. Yeah, I'll tell you what, that was quite a deal. You know, and the guy wasn't that old either, and good old Margaritaville, but the memories are going to last forever, and I'll tell you, I've got a shrimp recipe for doing shrimp on the grill. It's pretty good. And what I do is take one, two, three pounds, however many shrimp you're hungry for, but get them that are peeled, but with the tail still on yet. And what I like to do is marinate them in our Korean stir fry and barbecue sauce, the Korean sauce, marinate it in there for at least a half an hour, and then put them on skewers and have your grill at, oh, medium temp. I'd be in the 300 degree range right in there and put them on there. And then what I like to do is take separate skewers and put some green peppers and red peppers and yellow peppers. And I like to throw a few onions and mushrooms on there too. But I like to do those on separate skewers because they take a little bit longer because the shrimp, about two to three minutes to a side is about all it takes. And then when I flip it over the second side, I like to baste them again with a little of the cookies Korean stir-fry sauce. And I'll tell you what, they'll start to get clear about two to three minutes on the other side and pull them off of there and have those along with the vegetables that you had on the skewers and brush the vegetables too with a little bit of that Korean sauce. And I'll tell you what, if you got a pile of rice here, a pile of noodles, or just uh, them in itself, makes for quite a meal claim. So, again, real easy to do. And you just go to our website, cookiesbbq.com, and look up Korean skewers, and the whole recipe will be there, too, as well, if you didn't write it down. And just remember, smart cookies, use cookies. Speed, now that you've made everyone very hungry, thanks for being with us. You better have a good one, Clay. If you're in need of a worry-free power lift door, then you'll want to stop and talk with Rod French. Make a statement with a PowerLift architectural door on your home or cabin. PowerLift doors can be retrofitted to fit an existing door opening or designed into your next commercial, agricultural, livestock, or aircraft hangar build. Stylish, functional, and built to last. PowerLift doors by French's Manufacturing are made locally in Dodge Center, Minnesota by their experienced craftsmen. Contact Kelly or Rod. PowerLift doors by French's Manufacturing. 374-9306. Hi, this is Steve from Poles Electric. Do you have electrical projects in your future? Coles Electric can help. Coles Electric offers industrial, commercial, farm, and residential electrical services in Minnesota and Northern Iowa. We have 24-hour emergency service, design build, automation, underground boring, solar installation, and much more. Coles Electric has a great staff and can assist you with your electrical needs. Look us up at coleselectric.com or call us at 507-451-1387. Let me tell you, friends, about our store. It's a great place we call Miners Outdoor. 
Miners Outdoor, your total source Husqvarna dealer in Blooming Prairie, has everything your yard needs. From chainsaws, leaf blowers, and weed trimmers to zero-turn mowers and everything in between. That's what being your Husqvarna total source dealer is all about. Stop in today to see the best selection in quality Husqvarna outdoor power equipment. That's Miners Outdoor, Highway 218, Blooming Prairie. Miners Outdoor, Major Tough. Welcome to the Dirt Track segment, brought to you by Cookies, Sauces, and Seasonings. Chateau Speedway was racing last Friday night, September 8th, in the B-Modified A-Main, Zach Goward, in the Kevco Outlaw Mini Mods, Matthew Groby, in the Stock Cars, Lucas Schott, in the Modified, Steve Wettstein, in the Midwest Modifieds, Caden Kath, and in the Hobby Stocks, Gavin Bartell. Shelby County Speedway in Harlan, Iowa, hosted a two-day sprint car show, Friday and Saturday, September 8th and 9th. On Friday night, September 8th, in the Race Saver Sprint Car, A-Main, Tyler Drukey. In the 410 Wing Sprint Car, 30-lap A-Main, Lachlan McHugh. On Saturday night's finale at Shelby County Speedway, with 10 grand to win for the 410 Wing Sprint Cars, in the 30-lap A-Main, it was Tim Estenson, and in the Race Saver Sprint Car A-Main, Stuart Schneider. We were at the Jerry Richards Memorial at Cedar Lake Speedway on Saturday night, September 9th. In the 360 Wing Sprint Car A-Main, Christopher Tram. In the 410 Wing Sprint Car A-Main, the big wheel, Scotty Thiel. In the 600 Wing Micros, it was Kendra Pickett. And in the traditional non-wing Sprint Car 20-lap A-Main, Chris Lewis. And Sunday night, September 10th, was the Lacroparo County Fair Races at Madison Speedway. In the Pier Stocks, Alex Grinninger. In the Street Stocks, Braden Brower. In the Midwest Modifieds, Corey Stork. In the Super Stocks, Shane Sabraski. In the Modified, Shane Sabraski. And in the Gen X Late Models, Brad Staples. Fall is back, which means weekends full of touchdowns, tailgates, and of course, football. Don't let an issue with your car or truck interfere with any game day plans. At Napa, we have the quality parts and the expert knowledge you need to help your vehicle be as game day ready as you are. This month at Napa, you can get a booster pack 12-volt jump starter on sale for just $150. So stop by a local participating Napa Auto Parts store today and be ready for kickoff all season long. Napa, a proud spot of the Dirt Show and the Linder Farm Network. Does good food get your heart racing? How about food that's prepared to perfection with your favorite sauces and seasonings? Friends, it's Speed the Sauce Man, and I'm here to tell you that if you love full throttle flavor, you're going to love our line of premium barbecue sauces and seasonings. Made with high quality ingredients, you can trust our products to punch up the flavor of your favorite meats, main dishes, and so much more. Get winning recipes and join our sauce squad at cookiesbbq.com. And remember, Smart cookies, use cookies. Hey, Dirt Show listeners. For over 20 years, Hot Rod Hardware in West Concord, Minnesota, has provided everything to modernize and improve your hot rod's performance. Hot Rod Hardware is your specialty aftermarket auto parts go-to solution. From radiators and brakes to suspension, handling, and power. From the drag strip to the street, dirt track to cruise nights, Hot Rod Hardware is your family-owned solution. Check us out at hotrodhardware.com or just call the guys at 507-527-1020. Where, as they say, no robots... Just real people. Mark Noble. Martin Truex Jr. Kenny Schrader. Doug Wolfgang. Bobby Enser. Doug Hilson. Tyler Walker. Jerry Scratch Daniel. Johnny Parsons Jr. Hi, this is Harvey West, and you've been listening to The Dirt Show. See you at the races.